Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Willa Walsh, and you're listening to... Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. So today we bring you two stories from the Welcome Project's archive. These particular stories are from the VU Campus Collection, and they're titled Going By My Initials and Oh, Wait a Minute. And we thought uh, it would be good to remind folks that the Welcome Project has what we consider to be three initiatives. Um, The first being the campus collection, which is where it all began. And the two stories um, for today will come from that campus collection. So Valparaiso University has been hosting the Welcome Project since we began, since that's where Liz and I teach at. And um, our other two initiatives, the Invisible Project and Flight Flight Paths, grew out of um, extending our practice into the community. So today we're going back on campus to hear from some students about their experience with gender, sexuality, and um, how they think about that for themselves and then how other people sometimes respond to those uh, ways that we know ourselves. Um, Yeah, so I think that's it. Uh, we'll play the first story and then we'll do what we do, which is unpack the story, try to understand what the storytellers want to get across, and then ask each other some questions about what we're curious about. Yeah, so this first speaker, um, they talk about their experience being non-binary, and this is going by my initials. I just kind of assumed it was normal that everybody felt like, you know, they did like sometimes they'd wish to be the opposite sex that that had to be normal because that's how I could reconcile my feelings with my faith and so when when I came to the realization of um, those feelings partly because my freshman year um, a a good friend of mine came out to me as trans and I knew that friend wasn't stupid so I started looking it up found out it was a real thing And it was just a lot of soul-searching because of the people I knew. And when I realized, okay, I have a non-binary gender identity, a lot of people don't know what that is here, and a lot of people don't even fully understand trans issues because trans issues aren't really out in the open yet. So it's just small things. Like when I first came out, it's like, well, I have to continue using the women's bathroom simply because, you know, sometimes time of the month needs... And that there just aren't that many gender-neutral bathrooms around here. There's some in the union, but that's about it. So it's just kind of like, on certain days, it's like, well, I need to pee, but I'm not going to walk in the men's because no one's going to think I'm a man if I have boobs. I don't want to be seen as a man anyway. So it's just kind of a thing. And, I mean, I, I did used to go by my birth name. And after, like the semester after, I realized about my gender identity I, I requested to start going by my initials because I felt like it felt better. And um, it, it was a difficult transition for some of my friends, but they got, they got over it. 
I mean, they, they did it, and now it's normal, and it's nice. But um, even though my friends, some of my friends know this about me, it's like it hasn't fully registered. And, like, some of the friends who I know are actually pretty good on, like, trans issues and LGBT issues will still refer to me as a woman. And it's like, you know, I don't really want to explain this. So I generally just kind of sit there and be quiet and just in my little corner knowing that they kind of misgendered me because... Like, it's just, a lot of times, it's just not worth the fight. All right, that was our first story for the day. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio on WVLP. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, where would you like to start with this story today? Um, okay, my first question was, like, what effect, if any, did their friend coming out to them as trans have on them? Like, on her, on their friends? Yeah. hmm Well, I guess uh, it seems like there might be some questions. Or, I mean, this, the speaker herself... Uh, see, I'm even doing... Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to talk about misgendering, because I'm curious about why that is something that is challenging for us to do. The fact that the storyteller themselves had to look up and kind of get their own hands around trans and have this new label for themselves, non-binary gender identity. So I think, I think when um, the storyteller first comes out, like I'm guessing the friends are just a little like, I, what is this? How do I understand this? And and the storyteller doesn't really tell us how they came out. Like if it was just starting with initials like can you call me by my initials now or if it was a if it was a story they told about like going into the women's bathroom and having people look at them and think they were in the wrong bathroom um even though they're going into the bathroom of the gender they had at birth or the sex they were assigned at birth um or if it if it was that the storyteller just said hey I need y'all to know that, or I found out this really cool thing. I, so I like, I'm, I'm curious. I, I wonder how they came out to their friends. Um, but it does, it definitely is looking like, uh, this hasn't fully registered yet, you know, like, so it takes some time for people to adjust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a weird kind of, I always feel so strange about this. Cause I think like, you want, well, I want myself to be able to, to see someone the way they want to be seen as soon as I know that's how they want to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want the the change to be quick, Mm -hmm. you know, so that I can support them. Um, but yeah, I, was there something else that stood out to you about the, the friends reactions? Yeah. Well, my thought is that like, they didn't really focus on like their own experience of like coming out but what they did mention was that their friend came out to them as trans mm. oh then, is that what you were asking yeah, that's about? What I was thinking about no i love i love where you went with it and i think like on top of that too like they didn't really focus on like when they came out they were like yeah like my friend who i know isn't stupid like came out to me as trans and like that that kind of initiated this whole thing for them yes. like and I, th- I think it's so interesting that the language that they use, they were like, I know that this friend wasn't stupid, so I started looking it up and found out that it was, like, a real thing. So I think, like, for me, I was like, whoa, it's like, it, you can see the importance of, like, surrounding yourself with, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I guess, like, 
good people. I don't know, but mm. just like people who would be really supportive of you and can kind of like be in your same community. And so like the idea that their friend came out to them as trans, it kind of like initiated this sort of like questioning process of like, oh, I'm like, I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna like see what this is all about. And like that kind of like bloomed for them. But yeah, but like they didn't even really mention like what it was like to come out to other people. Yeah. Just that, that like <laughs> that initial like, huh, this person that's my good friend is like has realized this about themselves and like that kind of initiated their process which I thought was really interesting yeah I wonder what is inside of and they're not stupid like I don't you know like so there's a sort of respect that seems to matter like if you if you yourself are unsure how you feel either about your own identity or about how someone else has come out like that I guess we've learned this over and over again in our stories in the Welcome Project. Like, if you respect another person, if you're in a relationship with somebody else, it just does actually at least open the the door. Like, it doesn't always make things work out, um, as we know from family. Um, but um, yeah, I think that that's interesting that it's that person wasn't stupid. <laughs> Um, and maybe also like flighty, maybe they also mean like, this isn't somebody who's just, uh, I don't know, like following trends or like, Mm -hmm. it's something that they, if they're smart, like really are invested in. Mm -hmm. And so it's legitimate because of the amount of investment the person has made in coming to understand I'm trans and I'm going to now come out to you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I also thought the language and found out it was a real thing. Um, <laughs> I had to, I decided to look up when we did this interview because that's, that surprised me, that phrase, mm-hmm. like it's a real thing. So it was in 2012, which is nine years ago now, which actually doesn't seem that long ago, but um, in terms of how, transgender identity gets talked about more widely now. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that anything's gotten easier or better yet, but I would be surprised that people today would find out it was a real thing, but I wonder. Mm. Like, that was one of the questions I had, not for this storyteller, but for us. Like, are there people for whom this could still be a revelation that it's a real thing? Um, And I, I guess... I don't know, do you think that for this storyteller finding out it's a real thing is about, like, legitimacy? Um, or is it about, um, like, it's, uh, like, morally okay? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm thinking about other people who might not yet know about trans identity. Like, maybe they know, but they reject it versus they just are ignorant. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, in my mind, like, before we understand more, like, I mean, I guess in the past decade, like, there's just more visibility into, like, a trans identity, and so I wonder if it just, like, now in 2021, we can see it with a little bit more context, because we have people, like, celebrities who are trans, and so we, like, understand what that means, and I wonder, like, in, like, 2012, if, like, 
you know, the, like, the context you have around, like, trans identity is, like, in, like, a really sexual context, or, like, I'm thinking, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mm. and, like, this idea of, like, you know, like, transsexualism, and Mm. so, like, if it's this sort of, like, I don't know, like, sexualized identity versus, like, this is my actual everyday identity, like, outside of that context, and so, like, I wonder if that idea of, like, it's a real thing, like, it's not just, like, something that people decide to do on their own time or something like that but it's actually like here is my you know actual experience as a trans identified person living my everyday life yeah yeah like maybe just how that I don't know can extend into the everyday and not these sort of like niche spaces like a performance that you do at the drag club on the weekend kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense to you for this storyteller, how do you think they come to understand non-binary gender? Like, as their own definition of it, what do you see them really emphasizing or knowing about themselves? Well, I think we get, like, a couple of keys here. Like, they say in the beginning, like, I just assume that everybody would, like, sometimes wish that they'd be the opposite sex. So there's this idea of, like, not fully feeling a part of like a female identity or a male identity it's like somewhere they like they've opened up the ability for this to be like on a scope somewhere and i think like that also challenges what we think about like trans identities too is because we typically think of it like as this binary like okay you're either and they point that out like either you're male to female or female to male but there's there's like space in between there that i think that yeah. they're kind of like getting at because it's like they go into it further when they're like, well, I go into the women's restroom just because, you know, because I have boobs that, like, it's easier to go in there and, like, not be looked at weird, I suppose. But it's like, that doesn't really fit for them. But I like that they also point out that it's like, well, I don't necessarily want to go into the men's restroom either, you know? It's just like, there's, there should be a space in between there that's for me. And I think that's interesting, too, because that kind of goes along the sort of, like, political discourse that we have, like, specifically like trans people in bathrooms like I again don't get this huge thing around it but just like this idea of like like equally swapping bathrooms but instead like our storyteller is kind of talking about like well there just needs to be a non-gendered option so I can feel comfortable yeah and so I think that's like where we can kind of understand that they're not existing on this sort of binary and so that's kind of how I'm understanding like how they're existing in this non-binary identity it's just they're not really pulled to like either the male gender or the female gender but somewhere in between there yeah it's sort of listening to you talk reminds me of our show that we did I think two week two times ago about um being bi right and how challenging it can be for people who identify as bisexual whether from the straight or the gay community there's this desire to have people choose <laughs> as opposed to just have something more fluid or an attraction in that case that's more fluid, whereas here we have a gender that's more fluid. And I did wonder for this storyteller, because it does start out with this idea that sometimes you wish to be the opposite. So if this person was born with their sex defined as female, then at some point in their growing up, they had this like, "Ah, I want to be a boy today. Mm It makes me think that they also sometimes had the, like, I'm happy being a girl today, but I don't know. And then where it goes, it does feel like, as they talk about the bathroom experience, that it's like, I don't really want to be identified as either. Mm -hmm. So 
that's interesting too because I do think for some trans people maybe there is a kind of like I would like to I, I I'm happy to do all the things that like will identify me as a woman in the world today mm-hmm. and then another mm-hmm. day be like I'm happy to do all the things that would identify me as a man in the world today and then that's different than not wanting to ever be identified um as either mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. just actually non-binary and I do think that's really hard for our for us in our society we like labels mm-hmm. we like categories it helps us understand who we're relating to and how we're supposed to relate to them because we're taught gender roles um, which is not just like this is what femininity means if you're a woman it's also like this is what it means if you're a woman interacting with other women or if Mm -hmm. you're a woman interacting with a man like you're kind of taught how to do that Mm -hmm. but take away the categories and then there's like oh I don't know what to do anymore yeah yeah (laughs) which can be awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) and we know that people don't like to be awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) I think there's this, like, really interesting discourse, like, sometimes, like, I don't know, most recently it was on my Twitter feed, but this idea of, like, like, non-binary and gender-fluid folks who, like, hold this idea they're, like, gender is fake, like, we're all on, like, a spectrum, and, like, I don't want to be, like, associated with any specific expression or, like, perceived identity, and then there's, like, kind of this, like, talk back idea of like well I'm trans and I really identify like with my female identity and like everything that goes along with that expression but what I really love is like in those spaces it's never like well you're wrong gender isn't real you know that Mm -hmm. idea it's just like go for it gender is real for you I love that for you like go and live your you know identity expression but like for me that's not my life I don't believe it is this like binary thing so I mean I think they're like I think you're right on that and that it's like it's even it might even be easier for us whether it's more accepted or not which I would argue it's not more accepted being trans but this idea that you can just still exist on this binary and still like present in a way that's really expressive of the you know your gender identity and so when you get into this non-binary phase we don't necessarily know what to do with that and like this idea of like you know I think like we naturally, I mean, for the most part, just really want to be kind to people. So we really want to like make sure we have the pronouns right and things like that. But I think sometimes, you know, we walk that line to where it's like, I don't, I want to perceive you in a way that's really positive for you. And I don't necessarily know how to do that. And I think that can be become uncomfortable for people mm-hmm. too. Like, how do I, how do I approach you? How do I make sure that you feel comfortable in this space? And then there's also, like, another idea about it, too. Like, I saw another thing on my Twitter feed. Maybe I spend too much time on Twitter. But um, this idea, like, that, like, non-binary people don't owe you androgyny, which mm-hmm. I really like that, too, mm-hmm. because I think also, like, being, like, expressing yourself androgynously also helps us, you know, make you that label of non-binary. Yeah. But I think there's something really rich in that idea that, like, you can be non-binary and you still don't have to fit with this expression that helps us like helps me perceive you as non-binary so I think there's a lot of different layers to that and I think it's just really hard to approach because it's like I don't really know what that feels like and it's like it's hard to like wrap my brain around you're listening to WVLP and this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. We're at 103.1 FM, and you can always find us and stream the station online, too. Today, we are talking about trans identity and also non-binary 
gender identity. Um, this is the first story for the day is a, a, a former student, a graduate of Valparaiso University who's talking about um, coming to understand themselves as non-binary and then some of the decisions um, that that meant for them as in going by their initials instead of their, their birth name. I wondered if you had thoughts about that for the storyteller, like why that might be important. Like the idea for them to go by their initials. Yeah, like what that meant for them as far as we can understand. Yeah, I mean, like, like based on what they're telling us, it's just like they said, because they realized more about their gender identity, they decided to go by their initials. And they said because it felt better. And I think, like, I wonder if that just means, like, taking away some of that, like, gender yeah. like naming thing and then you can co- sort of like reclaim it in this initial space which is a little bit more like you know not necessarily gendered one way or the other so I think that that maybe aligns more with their gender expression as non-binary and so I mean taking that first step I mean probably felt really awesome I changed my name when I went yeah. to college um it was super hard actually because I don't know like I wanted this split for myself from high school uh, but okay. I remember like it was even hard for me to do it because I'd be like they're like what's your name and I'd be like Emily Willow <laughs> <laughs> they're like which one I'm like either one it's fine um, how long before you stop saying either one it's fine um I mean it took a few months yeah but I mean yeah like after my first semester it was really easy but I think it's like it's weird because I still exist in this intermediate space that I wonder if this storyteller does too. Cause it's yeah. like I go home and I tell my parents, I'm like, yeah, I like Willow. Everybody calls me Willow. Emily feels like something I was existing in and like so long ago, like I don't even identify with her anymore. Yeah. And so it's like when I still get called Emily, I'm like, oh gosh, it's just, it feels so weird. Like, I don't know, but it is, it's like, it's also like an adjustment for people around you. Cause it's just like, there are people who love you that can still just call you by the name you don't get called anymore yeah. all the time and yeah so I mean that's like that's that's a really difficult thing but I also wonder here too like there's something about that I think like there's like a legitimacy for like it being tied to your actual name like mm-hmm. so this storyteller uses their initials and I feel like that creates some sort of like legitimacy to the like to onlookers I guess because it's like oh this is like you know their first and last initial this is their initials but I wonder a lot of times, like, if I had decided, like, not to go with my middle name and I was just like, I'm Amy. And, the, and you know, it's just like, well, everybody calls me Amy. But it's like I go into a class and they read my full name, Emily Willow Walsh. And I'm like, hello, I'm Amy. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. does that, that, that always felt weird to me because it's like, that feels like it takes an extra step. And I always felt like I always had some, like, sort of, like, I don't know, quote unquote legitimacy for it being, like, my actual middle name. And so I felt less weird about it. I don't know. So I like I almost feel like it being tied to your actual name is a little bit easier, and you kind of have to defend it a little more, maybe if it's like not actually within your hmm. given name. But yeah, I don't know. It is weird because then it's like I don't really like speaking in class. I remember like every semester I was like Emily Willow Walsh. I'm like I like to go by Willow, and everybody's like, "Whoa! I didn't know your name was Emily. That's crazy. Willow's your middle name." <laughs> like that was that was like at the beginning of every semester. But yeah. But, you know, you get used to it after a while, and it does feel nice. Yeah, I don't have quite the same thing, but I feel like um, when I was growing up, my nickname was Allie, and then in college, that became Al, and it wasn't actually, I don't remember how I got Allie growing up, if if I did it or if people just started calling me that, 
in college it was somebody else calling me that and then it just caught on kind of thing and like Allie is just super super weird for me now and really only my family my dad my mom and my baby sister I think are the only ones that call me that um and it it really is like defining a relationship with them as Mm -hmm. opposed to anything about who I am Mm -hmm. I do remember my mom I can't remember when she told me probably in my 20s because that's when we had all of our you know like super hard disagreements (laughs) but she was like I don't like that name Al I don't like it which you know it's interesting because I think she was reacting to the gendered Mm -hmm. quality of it Mm -hmm. which for whatever reason like I never heard it as a boy name Mm -hmm. like I I don't really know why so when I introduce myself as Al or like I sign an email or something as Al for the first time with somebody who like I've crossed the line from acquaintance maybe to friend Mm -hmm. with um I'm like oh that could I mean that could just look like to a random person like they're going to be it like sorry sorry now I'm now I confuse that because like (laughs) I'm thinking about friends they don't there's not going to be any sort of necessarily weird thing there but um if someone were to see me sign something Al and not have met me yet like of course the first thing they're going to think is like that's a male name so they're probably thinking about interacting with a male and I I don't know it's just like I don't still don't think of it as a male name (laughs) I mean if I saw it for somebody else of course I would Mm -hmm. if I saw Al Smith, I would think, oh, that's a guy. I, like, I wouldn't go to, like, oh, that's somebody's nickname. It could be anything. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I think names are very interesting. I think bathrooms are very interesting. And I feel like in so many categories where we're talking about marginalization and oppression, uh, uh, oppression these two things come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you named, labeled, whether it's, like, a slur or like a derogatory like boy um or bathrooms so like uh we've known it's a contested space most recently around trans identity but um bathrooms were also a huge thing for race relations especially in Jim Crow South and like when uh like whether a black um like a person that was cleaning the house was allowed to use the bathroom or not or that they had to go outside I mean so it's like it is very interesting like it's this very practical space Mm -hmm. like it's something we universally have to do Mm -hmm. and so how does that something that we all have in common become the place that gets so highly contested that we try to limit who has access to it and when, or we make, we project fears about like danger that happens mm-hmm. in these spaces. I, it's so interesting. Like I, there's gotta be some, something about the fact that it's also common and universal mm-hmm. that makes it the thing that we try to keep from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's a little hard to wrap my mind around in my mind it's like I don't know if this is like the cynical part of me but like in my mind it's like well Fox News is grabbing onto something that everybody can relate to which is using the bathroom in public so like how do we get the most amount of people to like fear trans people let's do it in this place that we all have a public you know we all go to the bathroom publicly so let's do it in that space but my my favorite counter argument to that idea of like 
like we can't allow like trans women into women's bathrooms because like you know it's like it, it ranges from like minor to terrible like they're gonna like rape women in there or something but it's like <laughs> you know it's like how often do you go into like a target bathroom and there's like a bodyguard at the door like, mm. <laughs> there's nobody stopping that from happening i don't i don't get this idea that we need to like limit people based on this idea that it's just like something's terrible is gonna happen in there it's like something terrible could happen in there all the time like nobody's ever going to stop it and it doesn't need to but anyway but just yeah this idea of like limiting spaces I mean I just yeah I mean I wonder if it just points to the the ubiquity of like the shared experience of like this is something we can all relate to so this is why you need to like be afraid I guess yeah I mean I do think there's probably something about like we don't want to talk about it explicitly as discrimination because we tend to think like we can't call each other racist we can't call each other sexist because we all know now that those things are wrong but there really is just something about I'm going to diminish you by taking something that I get for granted and refusing it to you so it really says to the person being impacted like I am diminishing your dignity by withholding this human space from you and um, I don't think we like to see that about ourselves so we find these ways of yeah talking about it otherwise and masking it what do they call that dog whistling whitewashing mm-hmm. whatever you want mm-hmm. to say um and you think, like, based on that, like, that would just be, like, I don't know, like, you say, like, it's it's an easier out to talk about, like, you know, like, withholding public bathroom space from people versus just outright, outright saying, like, I don't like trans people, because it's, like, that feels, like, universally socially unacceptable to say, but we can say, I don't want you on my sports teams, I don't want you in my bathrooms. But, like, for me, it's, like, you'd think that would operate in the way that it's, like, okay, these are, like, specific fears out of why I don't accept trans people, and so, like, bathrooms is one of my fears, but it's just, like, it feels like that isn't it, because it's just, like, I'm I'm thinking about this conversation that I had with Erica's family, because we went to visit them in Ohio this week, and it's just, like, you'd think, like, based on these, like, fears, like, you could just, like, speak against that, you know, to just say, like, well, this is why you shouldn't have anything to fear and then that would kind of like quell it but it it doesn't actually do that you know it's just like this is why trans people should be allowed on sports teams but it's just like that doesn't necessarily quell it so it does feel like it becomes this outlet to say like hey I don't like trans people and this is my fear but I can't necessarily be like talked out of this fear yeah yeah well fears aren't rational right so we really can't talk ourselves out of our fears that's true yeah this is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso and online. You're here today with Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh. And today on Listen Up, we have been discussing uh, gender identity, specifically trans identity and non-binary identity. So um, let's go ahead and play our second story for the day. Did you want to introduce it in any particular way? Um, no, this is just um, another storyteller, and she's talking about um, the all the identities that can fit under the trans umbrella and um, her um, ideas of labels with sexuality. 
There's a lot of stuff within the trans umbrella. There's transgender, there's male to female, female to male, non-binary, gender fluid, gender queer, gender non-conforming. Did I say non-binary? Um, third gender, two spirit, um, other ones. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Back in high school, I thought I identified as gay. Well, I did identify as gay at the time, but that was really because I didn't have a full picture of myself and who I was. I, I don't identify with the gay label anymore, and I, I could label my sexuality as something separate from trans, because trans is a gender label, not a sexuality label, but I, I chosen not to put a label on my sexuality. Labels started to get way too complicated, I thought, as I started to understand there being more than male or female, and there's all of those other genders in the middle, like how would you define liking this with a little of that on the side, or like only this kind, or just this or that, like, I, I, I couldn't find a label that fit exactly how I identified, and whenever I tried to find one, there would be an exception. So I just figured it'd be easy enough just to not label my sexuality, and then I don't have to have some sort of existential crisis every time I like somebody who's outside of what I had labeled myself. Seeing that I used to identify as gay, I knew I was attracted to guys. So I guess at first I thought I was just a trans woman attracted to guys, but then I started realizing, oh, wait a minute, there's trans guys and they're really cute too. And then Miley Cyrus came along and shaved her head and became super hot. And it's like, wait a minute, she's not a dude. What's this about? I, I don't want to have to figure out what exact label encapsulates all of that stuff. So. I just won't label it. Hello, you're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio on WVLP 103.1 FM and online. And you just heard a second story from the Welcome Project archive. This is from our campus collection um, called, Oh, Wait a Minute. And it has to do with a storyteller who's thinking about labels, whether that's about gender or about sexuality. I actually wanted to start this conversation with an interpretive question, which I know we don't usually do because we like to talk about the storyteller's points first, but I wondered like, um, like what is the point of labels at all? And, And maybe we started talking about this already a little bit in the first episode um or the first half of the show like why why we use labels and what we get out of them um and why they might be frustrating Mm -hmm. so I think there's like there's a couple different things to labels like I think I mean for me in my mind like labels can create this sort of like euphoria that you've sort of like found everything that kind of describes you and so I think like especially when we get down to these like more granule like identities like she's talking about like non-binary gender fluid gender queer gender non-conforming third gender two-spirit like 
all of these things. And for somebody maybe outside of the LGBTQ yeah. community, it's like that, that can maybe seem like a lot or like seem like too much and easy to shrug off. But it's just like having that sort of granularity can be really exciting because if you don't necessarily identify, you know, as like on the binary side of like transgender, maybe, you know, like non-binary or two-spirit or gender non-conforming, like those things can align more specifically with how you're feeling. So I think there's something really great about like being able to like name something that totally like fulfills you. And I also think about like when we were on uh, Civic, which is, all right, give me a second. The acronym is the Commission for an Inclusive Valparaiso Community at VU. And there, we were trying to do like a passage, a, a statement of inclusion, right? And there were so many different labels under there. And I think, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of some of the revisions was like, do we need to keep all of these different labels in? And I think the the, the general sentiment was like, yeah, because you know, so many people have fought to have that label up there. And so for you to specifically see yourself named in that statement, it feels really good. So I think labels can be really great and that like you can find your community or that you can feel more represented when you're specifically mm. called out. Yeah. But I think what our storyteller, she's talking a little bit more about like sexual labels in terms of like, there is it does fall short because it's still a grouping idea it's still like classifying it in some way and it does get a little more tedious and maybe not as helpful when you start you you don't necessarily fit in those buckets (laughs) so that's when it can kind of fall apart it's like it can be really great but also not always yeah like for this storyteller in particular I feel like she like Totally wholeheartedly claims transgender. Yeah. Like, and and would not give up that label. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because it is something inside of which she finds herself or knows herself or sees herself fully represented, it works. But when the labels start limiting <laughs> you because you you fall outside of them here or there or like uh what did she say about like uh how how would you define liking this with a little of that on the side yeah. <laughs> or only this kind or just this or that so um realizing that each time then you learn something different about yourself that didn't fit the label you were using then you have she calls it an existential crisis um which is interesting right because that yeah. existential means like getting to the core of, of who i am mm-hmm. And so suddenly with sexuality, labels became impossible. Like they couldn't uh, be defined by them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I I like this story a lot for sort of getting at why we need. I mean, it's interesting because I always hear the term labels as pejorative, as like a slap it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then you use the word names a lot as the analogous term Mm -hmm. which for me I always hear as empowering um, because I think of names as something that we step into that teach us about ourselves whereas labels are something that like keep you confined Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so it's it seems like in this case for this storyteller gender and gender is gender categories can be names but sexuality for them 
for her only becomes a label. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a hopeful story for understanding, like, the two parts of this. Yeah, well, I love that, I mean, she talks about, I love that she does make the distinction, like, transgender is a gender label, and, like, there's a sec- there are various sexuality labels, too, and it doesn't, like, they're, they're not one in the same, which I think is an important distinction, especially because we do have, like, LGBTQ+, and then that, that encapsulates a lot of different folks in that community, so I think it is an awesome call-out. But I think, like, I wonder, like, my question is that, like, if there was a, like, like a sexuality label that was, like, granular enough to mm. kind of describe all of the things that she was feeling and also, you know, like, leave additional spots open for, like, you know, how she's feeling or how she could feel in the future about other folks. Like, would she gravitate towards, like, that that name of something, that label, because it fully describes how she's feeling? Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering... So I did look at the interview date for this one, too, which was 2016. So that's five years ago. Because um, I was thinking about pansexual and pansexuality when I've heard that defined. Yeah. Typically is naming what she's describing here and so it's like did we have pansexual yet (laughs) like I think so but I'm not sure and it is um interesting how experiences like this lead people to come up with new names like you said to get at these like granular granular ways of understanding ourselves and our experiences um but yeah I, I think that I this this is maybe going a little bit too far, but, like, I, f- I feel a bit for people on the outside looking in with all of our letters and our alphabets, LGBTQIA+++++++, mm-hmm. and then, you know, she does this fabulous job of naming all the different, well, not all of them even, but ways that transgender can be, you know, parsed out. Um, and I think that for people outside of the community... It just either it looks exhausting or it looks like um, too self-reflective. Like, why would you spend so much time, you know, like digging? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's simpler than that. It's like male, female, and straight. <laughs> like, and it's there's just something neat and tidy about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Uh, I guess I, I can understand, at least in part from my own appreciation of when things can be tidied up, that that makes things simpler. Um, but this could be hard for people from, from the outside. Like, I had a conversation with my mom where she, you know, she was really proud that her church, which is the church I grew up in, um, was really working to make LGBTQ people feel welcome. It was like a big new thing for them. They even had a Sunday school class that talked about it. Um, But as we talked, when trans came up, she's like, well, that's just, like, I can't go there. And I, I think what she was saying is that for her, gender is so attached to physiology mm-hmm. that it's it's god made period <laughs> like she's been in a culture that's been talking about 
homosexuality or being queer long enough that and she has a daughter now that mm-hmm. identifies or ha- is in a, a relationship with a one another woman so she's lived in that a little bit which she stills i mean she's come so f- far in terms of accepting me and liz and our relationship and actually I feel like she affirms our relationship, even though I understand that for her it's religiously problematic and that she can't support it in some fundamental way. But she doesn't keep that. She doesn't let that stop her from actually supporting the two of us and knowing that what we have is make makes us healthy and happy together. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. She's been steeped in that kind of long enough now. <laughs> But, like, something about gender for her is still such a given. Like, you're either male or female, so you don't get to choose that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. still, like, a lifestyle choice for her. Which maybe she thinks sexuality is still a lifestyle choice. Um, I tend to think people who religiously have a problem with homosexuality do think of it as lifestyle choice as opposed to, I was born this way. Mm -hmm. Because then they theologically get into weird pickles because they can't say that God, you know, made you who you are and condemned you Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Um, I mean, maybe some religious people can do that, but I don't think many want to do it that way. So yeah. So I think for my mom and, and I'm guessing there's others that would therefore be like her. Um, there's something about gender and saying that that's fluid where they're like, Hmm that's a line in the sand. I'm not, I'm not going to cross that, <laughs> that one. Um, I think it's interesting too. Cause it's like, like you're saying like this idea of like, it's really, it can be really hard to approach, not necessarily just like, you know, like a trans identity if you haven't been around it or you've kind of been steeped in this faith community that like makes it harder for gender to be more flexible, but also this idea of like, there are there's so many there are a variety of different labels and I remember like my first alliance meeting like we did an icebreaker and like we were we had like like uh like sexualities on a piece of paper no gender and sexualities on a piece of paper and we were supposed to go around and like talk to people so that way we like other people could guess what was on our piece of paper and I mine was like mine was like cisgender homo romantic uh pansexual <laughs> and I was like wait homo romantic wait what there's like another one in there too like I didn't even know and that was like 2017 and so it's just like and like I even felt like on the outside I was like am I dumb should I know this and I'm like trying to walk around people like acting like I knew what my piece of paper meant but and so it's just like so it really can be it's like I mean I think the list of like labels and identities can kind of be exhaustive and so I wonder too if that's like hard to approach and like Mm -hmm. easier to like step back and simplify like on the outside to be like well there's you know too many but also you know like you'd really you'd have to be vulnerable and ask like what some of these mean because like likely if you're not part of the LGBTQ plus community this is like so foreign to you yeah and so like you would really need to like do some digging and even then it's like if you can't necessarily empathize or like put yourself in the shoes of other folks in the community it, it I'm sure it would be really hard to wrap your mind around like gender queer or like two spirit you know so it would feel it would feel really difficult and so I think it's easier to kind of like 
take a step back and just be like, well, I don't, I don't do your pronouns or whatever, like, all that stuff. <laughs> I saw, like, I saw, I mean, I'm, like, on gay TikTok, so, like, there's, like, I think, like, the, the queer people on TikTok has, like, have, like, really, like, claimed the variety of different labels, because they're, like, you know, the LT, LGBTQIA plus ABCDEFGF, like, they uh-huh. kind of, like, talk about it like that, like, all the like alphabet yeah but then there was like another one that i saw that was like a dude in his tinder profile and he's like i'm never gonna date a girl with pronouns it's like um (laughs) okay you know but it's just like there's this like you know that's just like it becomes this thing that's like a little bit you know like we can't necessarily wrap our minds around it and it takes a little bit to like get at it so i mean i do i can understand like coming kind of coming on the outside of it and being like that's so much for me to wrap my brain around and then I'd have to be so vulnerable to ask you like what all of these right. different varieties of things are and even if you tell me what mine is I might not necessarily understand that yeah and so yeah I mean I think but I do think we're getting there I mean I think like <laughs> I was there's another one that I saw again on Twitter um but it was just like this uh it was like filling out your sexuality and like you know it had like gay bisexual pansexual asexual all of these things and like, the dude was, like, so straight isn't even an option anymore, but it was listed as heterosexual, but they didn't identify as heterosexual, they just identified as straight, and so, I mean, so I think we are getting there a little bit, but I do think that it's, like, it's, it's, it is kind of a barrier when you're kind of sitting on the outside. Yeah. So, but I don't know, but I think it is really good in terms of, like, it being able to encapsulate a lot of things, but yeah, I'm still struck by, by her, like, feeling that like gender for her like her gender identity as transgender like that feels like it it carries everything with her but like for the sexuality Mm -hmm. thing like she hasn't found the same thing that carries everything even though it can have multiple parts like you know like demisexual homo romantic you know so like even though it can get that granular it still doesn't like do it for her so I yeah I think that's interesting that it doesn't necessarily work in that way for her and that you would maybe want more freedom sometimes Mm -hmm. you know like if you have your core label gender you know transgender and when I say core I mean like that's it sounds to me like for this storyteller that's closest or how would you say that like most close to her sense of herself Mm -hmm. And then you don't want to prescribe too many other things. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you need some freedom Mm -hmm. after you have your core. So it could be a kind of, yeah, I don't, like, maybe the name is transgender and everything else starts to feel like a label as opposed to a name. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, I also kind of go back to this idea that she says, like, I don't want to have some sort of, like, existential crisis every time I like somebody outside of the, like, what I had labeled myself. And I find that so interesting because, like, for me, it's like, well, you know, I do, like, some soul searching and I think, like, okay, well, my identity is pansexual. And then, you know, it can kind of, like, flex outside of that. So, like, for me, it would be easier to be, like, all right, well, I I have updated the list. I've updated the resume of my life and I can now label it this. And like, I think it's so interesting like, that it would cause like an existential yeah. crisis that yeah. like maybe it's like this idea that she feels like she would need to meet this label in every way. And so it would be uncomfortable yeah. to sort of like go beyond that, which I find interesting because it's like, okay, well, if I pick a label now, 
I'll reevaluate and see how that label's doing in a little <laughs> while, and then, like, we'll update the label, and we're all good here. But, I mean, I don't know, but I think, like, she also talks about, like, you know, like, like you had mentioned earlier, like, how you would define liking this thing with a little bit of that on the side. Right. Or a little bit of that. Something I find, like, interesting, like, specifically about the pansexual label is that, I don't know, it does this thing where it, like, kind of, like equates all mm. like all of the genders together and it's like okay in reality it's like I don't know for me it's like 99.9% women trans people <laughs> non-binary people and then like 0.01% men but it's just like I don't want it to be like you know but it's like pansexual feels like it was like everybody's just like 50 50 50 50 50 uh. percent and so I mean I think there's something about that too that maybe like like I don't know pansexual is seen might be more like bisexual or mm. something like that but I think, like, yeah, it doesn't necessarily, like, I don't know. It doesn't parse it out enough. And so maybe it's just, like, you know, like, you know, what, like, what do people think about when you say bisexual or pansexual? It's, like, even though it could mean what I just described, that that's not necessarily how people, like, view it in context. Like, it just means, like, oh, everybody an equal amount. You know, so maybe that's the uncomfortable part. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm still struck by that. Yeah. This is WVLP LP 103.1 FM, and this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with Willa Walsh and Allison Schutte. We've been talking about stories about transgender identities today. Um, I, I think this is related, I mean, it takes us away from this particular storyteller, but um, I've started thinking about pronouns um, off the radio, you and I were talking the other day, and I mentioned that, like, if I could create a gender identity for myself, it would be Tom Girl instead of Tom Boy, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not Tom Boy, but I'm definitely not just like stereotypical female mm-hmm. either. And um, so I like Tom Girl as this kind of like new, pulling different parts of my part, different parts of gender together in a in a, in a way, and. Um, like as somebody who's thinking about pronouns and as a teacher who wants to make sure that students feel like they can you know share their pronouns um with their peers and with me like I've thought about using they them instead of she her um either like as a um like political support or as like making like norming something so that if I do have non-binary students they won't feel like they're the only they thems in the class um and then I've started more recently seeing some people I haven't seen he they but I've seen a lot of she they Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and I've felt that out for myself too and I've never like really I did actually do it with one of my classes um this last semester mostly because I wanted to normalize they them as a potential pronoun for uh my students um but like I haven't changed it in my uh email signature mm-hmm. or if I'm on zoom I just do I still do she her and I've thought about like tried to feel feel out why there's it's not like resistance as in like I don't want to identify in this gender neutral way as if I'm pushing something away but it's more like I don't know if I can claim it actually like would I be doing harm to others for whom they them or she they Mm -hmm. 
is like the exact name mm-hmm. that for them is like okay this is my now I know myself or now I now I fully can be sharing who I am so um but I, I wonder like if that will change in time too you mentioned context right and like some of this is about how we understand ourselves like this storyteller is very much thinking through how um labels of sexuality just didn't it was an existential crisis for her um I think sometimes though it's the outward facing thing right like where we try to use these names to help others know how to engage us but in any case whether it's outward or inward facing we're still in this context where these definitions are changing right like Liz pointed out the other day now NPR is using the word queer all the time as and so I wonder like when did the editorial team decide that was a that was a term uh-huh. they were going to now use and like even comparing the 20 what did I say the first interview a 2012 interview to a 2016 to 2021 like the first storyteller we heard from today who was interviewed in 2012 like if that person was a first year student now they'd be having a totally different experience um even if they came to college not knowing their gender identity was non-binary um so as the social context changes then what we feel the 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 label means as a name starts to change too so i can imagine there would be a time where she they might be like oh yeah now that is a name for myself and I don't feel like I'm co-opting it from somebody else Mm -hmm. like I can simply join that tribe or Mm -hmm. I can feel like I belong to that community um I can also see it you know going the other way too where it's like oh no it made a lot it makes a lot of sense for me to stick with female pronouns even if I'm a tom girl (laughs) like I just have never felt alienated from being a woman Mm -hmm. there's things I don't like about it like and there's experiences of discrimination from usually from men that I have really found troubling and painful but I've never actually disidentified from it so yeah I don't know I think it's everything is or there's nothing permanent about any of these ways we know ourselves. I actually appreciate how much more fluidity there is. And I know that for some people, especially maybe outside the LGBTQ community, it's it, it can be confusing and, and maybe frustrating because they miss the clarity. But I, I feel like it's a lot closer to reality to mm-hmm. actually see how fluid things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just own up to the fact that we try to um, control things by, you know, taking away some of that fluidity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would hope that we'd be getting to a place as a society where we can be less intimidated by <laughs> the fluid nature and, and feel more comfortable and at home mm-hmm. in that. Since I do feel like it is a lot closer to what reality yeah. actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. actually looks like. No, I love your I love your description of like not being able to like 
yet claim like she they he's like i feel i feel the exact same way and actually like <laughs> our therapist like sent over like a like you know like a little like you know what's your insurance and what's your name and where do you live you know like those like initial papers to fill out and i was so annoyed that her thing was like male or female and you had to circle one and i'm like like mm, i just i don't like that mm. and I, I even like i scratched it out and i made like a little like a timeline chart <laughs> and i like put a bubble on there and i was like screw your binary label figure out what to put in the system when you get this piece of paper back but it's like i mean like yeah for me it's like i've never like I don't know, I've never felt alienated by she, her, but I also just, I feel uncomfortable with this, like, being smack dab all the way over on that side. It's just, like, I don't know, maybe it just feels more right now, it's, like, it feels like a three type of thing, you know, it's, like, male being on one end, non-binary being, like, straight in the middle, and then female being all the way on the other end. And it's, like, well, I'm not in the middle, but I'm also not way on the other end either. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com and at 108 East Lincoln Way in Valparaiso. They are open for full service. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And if you enjoyed the stories you heard today, you can find more stories like this one on our website at welcomeproject.velpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to start a conversation with us or ask any questions, you can email us at welcomeprojectradio at gmail.com.